Hello, folks. Welcome back to, I was almost about to say the RLS podcast, but I very recently just changed the name literally about 10 minutes ago uh, to the 9 to 5 Athlete podcast because um, I was kind of bored of using my uh, using my own name as the name for the podcast. So we've, we've freshened it up a little bit um, and we have a brand new guest coming on and we are on now episode 93, um, closing in on the number 100, which will be a nice little checkpoint after a couple of years of recording this podcast. Um, the man I'm recording with today is someone that I've probably known for a few years now off the back of being in the same mentorship. And since then, I've went on to be mentored by this guy as well. He's um, he's a total whiz when it comes to programming and various other things. And I've learned an absolute shitload off of this guy from doing a few of his courses. So um, good to have you on board, mate. Thank you. <laughs> and if I cough today, I apologize, but it's that old... Um... COVID thing going around and I think I may have caught it even though I didn't test for it but it's left me with a little tickle in the throat but thanks for having me on man and I appreciate what you're saying there and appreciate the stuff you've done over the last sort of uh, 18 months at least it's been really cool to see so thank you thank you very much mate and um yeah mate what's uh what's what's going on in your life just now what's uh what's new everything's new so I had a baby 20 weeks ago I, I didn't have a baby but uh no, uh, my partner had a baby or my ex-partner had a baby um, and yeah we're just doing the whole parenting thing right now running the business four pillars lots of um, client stuff lots of transitions just took on a new business coach and um, kind of parted ways with the same mentorship that you're on about I don't know eight weeks ago or something and currently on a new business mentorship now as we start to look for integrations into this sort of setup I've come to realize like being 43 Working 30 hours on the floor, as much as the diary is amazing, and now trying to be a new dad again and do all my training and have the online side and do the the events with people like Oxygen and do all the facilitation for mentorships and online courses. It's just getting too much now, so I need to really pull things in and strategize and just start to get a little bit more niche in terms of my time, where I need to be and uh, where my energy needs to go, essentially, over the next 18 months to two years, man. So it's busy, 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 but it's all uh, it's all going in the right direction. It's all ebbs and flows, and... Uh, yeah, we're getting there. Thank you. Cool, Where's most of your time spent just now? Is it is it still on the gym floor or is that kind of changing now? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm probably about 85% in person, 15% online. And over the next sort of like 12 months, we're going to try and completely pivot that to be the opposite way around. So I can start to then, you know, work more on the performance side in a remote coaching format, which then gives me more time to be you know, present with like working on the business and sort of get some new coaches in and just help them and do more of the education stuff whilst then, you know, just t- training a chunk full of clients across the evening and maybe 10 hours a week to just keep my eye in because evidently and fundamentally like it's where I like to to be is on the floor with the with the, 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 the clients. And, you know, like I think regardless of whether you want to be online or in person, like you need to be training people, you need to be training human beings, even if that's one hour a week, just because, uh, you know, it keeps the eye in and it allows you to be a better coach uh, from like a full circle point of view, you know? Yeah, mate, 100%. I think I probably had the conversation with you before about like people kind of missing that part out, which sounds absolutely ludicrous to, to think about, like missing the whole kind of on the floor PT out and then going straight to the online thing when it surely mm-hmm. has to be the other way around. Well, you know, like I think like the I've come to realize like being a bit of an old dog now in the industry, man, like, we can, like, I can get left behind like pretty quickly. I could be the most intelligent or the best coach or the best PT or this or that. But like a lot of people are coming on board now, like six months in the industry, collecting like 120 clients online. And it's all just down to like marketing, email sales, 
starting conversations. They don't necessarily need experience. They don't even need a qualification, dude, which is fucking terrifying. It's like, you know, you've got these online coaches, I'm throwing some air quotes here because, you know, they haven't done any, any training other than their own. They've never really trained anyone in person. And yet they're still making like six figures a year because they've got an all saying and all dancing setup. They know how to do email marketing and all these other kind of things. And it's a scary place to be because it's like, People like myself, um, you know, who's been who live and dies on the gym floor with the education, who's invested tens of thousands of pounds in like high quality education worldwide with like people like Poliquin and Prescript and Paul Check and stuff, then just get left for dead because we don't have the capacity to like just be within that field. So it's a real kind of strange time right now, like between the online and the in person. And I do feel like it's all it's a, it's a money you're either making money or you're trying to change lives but unfortunately the people that get taken on through these money-making schemes think it's because they want to change their lives but um hopefully like the industry starts to change and we start to see more people developing both skills which is the in-person and then getting used to like the the email marketing and the, the side of like the social media stuff and the conversations so you can get the kind of both best of both worlds essentially but I feel like moving forward, like people are always going to want community. They're always going to want connection. They're always going to want like uh, someone that understands them above and beyond like the bells and whistles of what things can look like on paper, you know? Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. I think you've got a really good example of that down at four pillars. Like even just spending maybe, I think I've maybe been there once or twice now and just being in there and just spending the day there, you could tell that. And even just watching your social media stuff, like you've, you've definitely got that in abundance with the, with the people that you train and the, the facility that you've got. Yeah, man, I think it's just a case of, like, showcasing what people are doing. I mean, you know, I'm not training athletes. I train some semi-athletes that do BJJ, downhill mountain bike and stuff like that. But I just want to train people, the people that want to build better skills in life, like people that are, like, bored of just sitting on machines at the gym, people that are bored of just sticking to, like, template workouts, and people that actually want to drive a little bit deeper into an understanding skill processes uh, becoming more skill developed and it doesn't matter whether you're 50 or 20 it doesn't matter whether you've trained for a day or 10 years it's like how do you then build a skill acquisition in place to take these people through that trip and that journey whilst looking at nutrition whilst looking at their mindset whilst looking at cleaning up some of their bad habits and then building a community around that and then being able to showcase that online for people that look at that and think cool man that's something that i could do myself and i don't need to be scared to go into the gym and grab a barbell or grab a dumbbell and i don't need to just go and sit on the leg extension for 45 minutes and go home you know yeah mate we're gonna dive into that a little bit later um in terms yeah. of the skill acquisition side of things but uh mate you were a crane operator with someone even told me the 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 actual company it was was it Gra or is it how do you pronounce that Gra one, of oh, my, I was with one of my clients no. said he knew you he'd actually used to used to work on one of the same rigs as you and then actually, his name's rory rory Crichton. Rory Crichton. Yeah, man. Okay, cool. Well, I worked on loads of different rigs like worldwide, man. I worked for Sparrows by the time that I finished. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, yeah, Sparrows is like a, what you called like a, just a crane op, um, global crane op, essentially. I'd go around all different kinds of rigs all over the world, lifting bits and bobs off of boats and moving stuff around platforms and stuff, helping in decommissioning programs. And I was about 13 years offshore started like as a roustabout cleaning the decks handling sort of stuff on deck with the cranes and i went up on the drill floors the roughneck derrickman back down on the back down onto the the decks and then back to roustabout deck foreman assistant crane up crane up and then to you know a lead cleaner crane up for sparrows but working for transocean diamond and um, Maersk, a whole bunch of different companies yeah um try to think of the one dolphin would begin with g but probably man but i do know rory yeah yeah, yeah for sure 
Yeah, it's funny. I think just when I shared the fact that you were coming on the podcast, he was like, hey, I, I know him. <laughs> yeah, it's a small world. But uh, yeah, mate, I suppose the question that I was wanting to ask you off the back of that was, what made you stop following that career and come into this career? Was it always like a thing that you had an interest in? Or was it a completely kind of like, you know what, I'm trying something different? Do you know, man, it was like 13 years offshore. And then I was married. And uh, I was married and I was never seeing my partner. And it was okay when it was like two and four, two weeks offshore, four weeks at home, or three and three, for example. But when it got to the point where there was the the, the oil crash, and then Cranox were just, they were screaming for Cranox to do decommissioning jobs in the North Sea. I was working away six weeks at a time, home for two, away for four, home for a week. And it just got really tiring. It got taxing. I never seen my partner. And uh, yeah, it got really demotivating. And it got to the point where I decided I'm just going to run my own business. I got, like, honestly, a bit of a, I'm a bit um, against society's kind of ways in terms of control. And I'm not the best type of person to be told what to do. I, I work well with people, but I don't work well being told what to do every day. So I just decided after a while, I'm going to run a business. And I spoke to my wife at the time and she said, um, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't run a cafe. And I, dude, I still want to run a fucking cafe, man. I would love to have a little cool little bougie cafe, selling coffee, playing cool music, selling my photography, doing all these kind of things, getting like people in playing guitar and just whatever the fuck it might be. But um, she was like, okay, cool. But what about doing something else? Cause like, that's a big investment. It's a lot of time. I'm going to have to help you. Can not do something by yourself? And I says, I've no idea. And she says, well, you're really good offshore. And actually I was a coach offshore for a while, not in PT obviously, but with the deck crews. And she says, you love coaching guys. You're really passionate about it. And you train all the time. She was like, why don't you just be a PT? And I was like, oh, yeah, fuck it. So that's when it started, man. I was like, well, I'm not going to work on a gym floor because I don't know, never really been into it. Didn't really want to work at pure gym or the gym group or nothing like that. So I ended up just stripping out the back garden and laying it flat and then building a big gym in the back garden 350 square feet and then that was my first gym enterprise and i had no idea what i was doing not a fucking scooby and i was 18 months offshore with that transition from building the gym getting my qualifications reading like you've never seen someone read before like i was reading a book every maybe week on the rigs up in the cranes because that's so much time and i must have read 30 to 40 books in that time, uh, all on like sports periodization and movement stuff and nutrition whilst doing my BTN Academy Foundation Nutrition, of course, whilst doing the PT level three um, and whilst building the gym, whilst working offshore, being a husband, being a dad. And I was just hustling like that, man. And then made the transition uh, to PT in the home gym, basically. And then it just sort of kicked off from there, man. Oh, man. Do you think people kind of get quite scared that it's all that like sunk cost fallacy thing like, oh, fuck, I'm 30, I'm 40, like I can't change my career. Um, you hear that all the time. People just think you're stuck. You do, but it's just about knowing what you're good at. Like I didn't know it was going to be a PT, it could have been anything. You just got to look at what your skill set is. Like what are you good at? What are you, what are you, what are the things that you know, you're evidently really fucking good at? And for me, it was like, yeah, I'm really good at weightlifting. I'm good at training. I move well. I'm strong. I can do whatever I need. But I'm also really good with people and I can coach and I can lead. So it just made sense to do it. And it wasn't about being a PT. It wasn't like I've had a transformation. I want to do it with other people. In fact, I think that's probably one of the worst reasons you could be a personal trainer or a coach. But I do believe like if you look at your skill set and decide if you're like, okay, well, I just love numbers. And in my spare time, I love doing spreadsheets. And I actually love doing all my home bills and taxes. Oh, and I love like all this stuff to do with business. I can well, go be an accountant then. Why are you why are you like working for like a bin man company or something? Go and be an accountant, go to college, go to union, study that. And um, so it kind of just fell into that sort of thing, man. But yeah, I don't think you're too young to start because guess what? There's if you're 40 
and your demographic of 40 to 50, there are millions of 40 to 50 year old, maybe more out there looking for help. If you're 20, there's 20 to 30s, 30, you know what I mean? It's like, there's no, if you're like a 20 year old PT training a 45 year old businessman with six children, a second wife, a million pound company, good luck getting on his wavelength. But if you're 20, you train a 25 year old and he's a bit of a bro, good luck. It's going to be fine. So for me, I was never worried about it. I thought, you know, there's a billions and billions of people on the planet. So why can't I have 50 of them? Why can't I train 50 of them? Why can't I speak to and reach out to 50 people that are going to, you know, work in alignment with me? And so that's where it came from, man, you know? Exactly, mate. And uh, where did your, like, where did your first ideas, principles from training come from? Like, who were the people you were reading about? Like, what kind of courses were you doing? I know you touched on them briefly. I was very lucky, man, because uh, I was doing a lot of powerlifting and I actually bust my back up. I'm 71 kilo now, but I used to sit at 85, man. I was a lot bigger. And back then I was a bit of a dumpling as well because I was doing like a super bulk. And I blew my back out and I went and seen a physiotherapist um, slash very well, well um, educated personal trainer who runs his own facility in Glasgow. I'm not going to say who, obviously, but um, he was a really good man. And his mentor was Paul Check and Charles Poliquin, just to put that clear. Like he worked beside these guys not just on their training plans and mentorships and um, and i went in and he was like oh you want to be a pt you should read these two books and he gave me um tudor bumper tudor bumper and um, periodization of um, sport basically um so uh, strength for sport so he gave me that um, and i went oh sure i just read that book so tudor bumper man was where i started and if you look into it well, anyone knows anything about training that guy had some really cool principles from like fucking 60 years ago um, so yeah, I read Chida Bumper, another Chida Bumper book, then another one, I think I read all three, well, three of his main books, Serious Strength Training, another one, and then went down the Paul Check route, How to Live and Be Healthy, and then read his like sports science stuff, and then um, after that, started to go down like some Poliquin stuff, and yeah, just, just looked at the big names, man, I was lucky to have been in touch with people that and knew a lot about a lot of the stuff. So I never really went down the Jamie Alderton route or the fucking, you know, all the, the modern day people that have just, you know, they're just there to get a buzz, right? I went down those routes and some of the famous body, like Mike Mentzer, like high intensity training, people like that. And just read all these books, man, and just took what I could from each book and thought, this is cool, I enjoy that. This is cool, I enjoy that. I reckon I could build a plan around that. And then I took these formalities, put them into my own programming and then started training people at the gym and just getting results that way, man yeah so up to the up to the present day then like how much has that evolved and like where where are you at now i know you've done like killian hamilton's course like skill acquisition um and i know a whole load of what you've kind of taught us like me has been around about like training as being a skill and i don't think that's always seen that way for a lot of people like it is but not everyone sees it that way just go no, yeah, I mean, I went, you know, I've done my PSL1, PSL2, skill acquisition, advanced barbell, um, you know, and also follow a lot of, like, you can get a lot of good details coming from that. I, like, did the 10-week uh, Dr. David Patterson mentorship and stuff like that as well. And it was just, you know what it is, man? It's like, you can only collect so much information until some of it just becomes null and void and completely counterproductive. And not everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet. But I think for me, it's like, you know, you peak. So you go up this line and then you get all this information. It's kind of information overload. The key to what you're trying to do then is take all that information, simplify the whole fucking thing and bring it all the way back down again to find a specific way, way to train your populations. And not just that, how you can then speak to your specific demographics online. Like I am not training people to do bodybuilding competitions. I am not training people to um, do photo shoots. 
will I get a transformation? Can I get someone peeled, get them big? Of course I can. Like, and I think you should be able to, as a PT, I think that should be one of the first things you should learn. And, but for me, it's about skill development and something that I fell deeply in love with out of all, all of the training modalities was Killian Hamilton's skill acquisition, because it was such a cool way of looking at how to do things. And I actually know coaches now that would speak to me like, oh yeah, well, I've done this and I've done this and I've done with this. And then they've reached out and gone, hey dude, what was that um, skill acquisition course that you did? Can I get on it? And they've texted me back going, mate, it's fucking genius. And then I just felt like it was such a great way to strip everything back. And then you start to take all of these different sort of, I mean, Charles Poliquin was just talking about fiber orientation, how to build perfect muscle tissue, right? Let's face it. You know, like um, we talk about, you know, um, Mike Menster is just about lifting heavy in the Dorian Yates way, all that kind of stuff. Like, it just depends, but it all comes back to the same thing. But if everything's coming back to the same thing and everything comes back to the same formula when we're training clients, then what is the one thing that motivates a client to do it? Why aren't people just doing that? And it always comes back to skill. Like if I was to give you a training plan, Ryan, and just put seven exercises on it, it's all machine-based, you're going to get fucking bored. You're going to get bored either A, when you max out, or B, just because the modality is becoming boring. So like we start to see skill as a fundamental principle of development of motivation. And it, like I've actually made a post today for people starting out new in the gym, three things you need to do. And it was like the first thing, build relative strength, get strong and put some muscle on. That's going to take machine work for most of you because a lot of you guys aren't skilled enough or developed enough to go and rattle a two times body weight squat for seven reps or a three times body weight deadlift for three reps. It's just not going to happen. So it's like sit on the machine and build some muscle and just build up your base level strength levels with a really stable base that's going to allow you to just push volume, build tissue and get strong from like a relative sense. But then choose three to four upper and lower. So seven, let's say six to eight exercises within your training block. That's going to allow you to build skill. And that skill development is going to bridge the process between stability and strength. And that's going to really then allow you to start build the prerequisite skills to then jump onto the barbell and do the stuff that's fun and the stuff that then becomes like um, a motivational thing to go to the gym. People are motivated to go to the gym because they're learning. People are motivated to go to the gym because um, they want to develop. Not a lot of my guys come and go and need big glutes. Like how many times do we go online and we see the perfect glute guide, how to build a bigger peach or the, like, no one give like the people that care about that don't care about skill and they don't care about development. And they're probably not thinking about the next 10 years in the gym, but the guys I want to train, I want them coming in, falling in love with training. And then 10 years from now, still being in love with training and not worrying about their glute development because guess what they're fucking doing a barbell rdl with like three times body weight for 10 reps like they don't need to worry about the perfect glute guide because over 10 years they've built a perfect ass because the skill was in place to be able to shift a shit ton of weight with the right sort of um systems in place to allow their body to move through time and space without getting damaged and i just feel like if people look down that lens more often they would have much more enjoyment out their training much more enjoyment but unfortunately we're in an age where it's all about aesthetics the perfect fiber orientation for a bicep curl or the perfect um like i said glute guide or like your ab guide or 10 ways to build the perfect abs and it's just people are missing the point man it's like skill builds motivation motivation then builds frequency frequency builds adaptations all right and the adaptations become strength development speed power and all the stuff that we can look at high performing clients and that doesn't matter whether you're like untrained or trained world-class athlete, not a world-class athlete. And that's where the skill acquisition protocol comes into play for me. And that's why it's so fucking important. Yeah, mate. I think when you actually like break down an exercise as a skill, like it, it, well, for example, like when I came into your, um, into your gym and like 
done a beast dance rdl i'm like i know how to do a beast dance rdl with a dumbbell but then like you realize very quickly that when you actually break that skill down that you have still, still got a long way to go like there's a lot for me personally as a personal trainer like to be able to learn so much more there's such a, a large pathway of skill when it comes to a movement like that um which i'm by far mastered um so for someone just walking into the gym on day dot like they've got so much scope to improve over time with that skill um which i think is it it's a way that i'm kind of almost ashamed to say that i i wasn't looking at it that way until i came into your room um and what i've then applied to my clients has been that simple like that principle is like you guys you've got so many more years to go of learning this skill that skill this skill like let's not dive straight into a a barbell uh, deadlift or let's not dive straight into the back squat because it looks cool yeah man. and that's not to say like um people can't go in and do a barbell deadlift but the problem with that is like it's the load right like if someone's just not relatively strong then they're going to get really fucking demotivated and it's going to be why am i doing this so like just building in different ways to build up those like shapes throughout the process like it's not a deadlift really is it? it's a whole bunch of different shapes that constitute a deadlift so if you can break the shapes back bum, 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 and then periodize that through different skill-based movements so output-based movements then lo and behold like i've had like tom for example has never pressed the barbell above his head in his life and he's trained with me for three years and we've gone through a completely beautiful scope of skill acquisition he's um you know built a shit ton of muscle a bit a shit ton of relative strength like, um, he's, he's like SSB squat sitting at about 140 now, you know, he's training three years, man. Like asked to go, it's just amazing to watch, but he goes on his day one, never pushed the barbell above his head, locks it in. And then he presses it above his head. Right. And he presses a body weight, right? 75 kg barbell strict overhead press, not push press, strict overhead press dot one. Like that skill acquisition at play. That's the expression of skill and strength throughout a modality like absolutely beautiful you know and it's like i didn't have to get him in the gym pressing a barbell above his head i just got him doing a whole bunch of other stuff that was loadable for a long enough time so that he could just step under a bar and slam that guess how motivated he was you know what i'm saying does that tie the client in for another 12 months of course it does yeah. but if you go the wrong route and you injure your client then they're out the door and if you injure or maybe not the first time maybe the second time maybe definitely the fucking third time they're leaving amount of clients that I've had coming in here, my ex, my ex coach did this and my ex PT did that. And I kept getting injured and it's like, okay, cool, strip it back. And it's, um, you will lose clients. So understanding like the principles of exercise execution above and beyond technique, above and beyond good form quotation marks. Again, like how do we start to actually look at the starting points for clients to build really good, um, like exercise potential within their training and that's always going to come back to stuff like you know get them to understand center of mass get them to understand distal challenge and then get them to understand why they're doing what they're doing and where the progressions lead to later on down the line you know yeah sweet mate and um i suppose we kind of like went through that a little bit but if we were to break this down for joe blogs who's listening to this podcast right now just walked into the gym he's maybe had a bit of experience with like some machines and jumped on the cross trainer a few times like, how would he go about beginning to apply these principles? Like, where would he start? Well, you know, understanding training age. Like, you know, we look at um, training age is like, you know, we have these different levels of development as a child. And this is another thing that I was taught, which made so much sense, is it's like when you're zero to two, 
and it's like two to seven and seven to 11 can't specifically remember but it's like concrete learning and something else blah 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 but it's really interesting it's like this is us as human beings as well and um, as adults when it comes to our training so like when we see a zero to two year old and you give them like a the play thing and they got the star and the circle and the cube and they've got to try and put it in there they're just slamming it in holes and they don't know what the fuck they're doing well that's a lot like your clients that train from day one that haven't trained before you give them an exercise they're just that kid trying to put these things in, and they don't know what the fuck they're doing and then eventually one might just go in lucky yeah and it goes in and they're like okay cool wicked well that's that one time they did an exercise well and you're like ah, win then it goes to two to seven they start to get good at this they start to be able to put you know, things in the blocks and they start to get really good at like building things, yada, yada, yada. And most of us um, and most of your clients will just stay there probably for their whole training career. And that's a great place to live and die because you're able to then do what's in front of you. You somewhat your coach says, do an RDL, do a snatch, do a clean. You'll be able to do it quite well over time as time goes on. That seven to 11 is like a development for children where they really start to understand like the model of, um, like task development and actually starting to break things down and find solutions. Well, that's coaching and that's personal training. And that's you then being able to explore and develop through training modalities. So like how I can then say, well, this is everything I know, but how do I break this all down and make it something new? And how can I bring in something else? And how does that work? And how do I test this? And how does that carry over to that? Most clients will never get there. So when you recognize that they're probably going to live and die in that age of like two to seven year olds where they're putting, okay, put the star on the star. Cool. Easy. Put the one in the one. Blah, blah, blah. Now let's do this one. And they're like, cool. And they can just keep doing these things and they don't miss a beat. But when your clients start, they need to know where they're at. Like, because if you start to know where you at, you're at, then you can see the progressions ahead. And, you know, if you could just get, you know, if you're just going into the gym, I would say, honestly, like, how strong are you right now out of 10, one to 10? How strong do you think you are? If you're a three, you need to build your relative strength. Now I'm going to say 80% of your training should be spent probably on stable positions with machines, driving a shit ton of output, putting on muscle tissue, understanding intensity, understanding what it's like to hit failure points, understanding what it's like to actually feel a burn and run through lactate acid or whatever it might be. Then 20% of your plan should probably learn playing with the, the, the dumbbells, some split squat variations, some dumbbell press variations, and you know, some single arm row variations, all that kind of stuff. As you get better and as you build sort of um, uh, the adaptations of relative strength, start to bleed that out. Maybe it's 70, 30, maybe it gets to 50, 50. Once it's at 50, 50, you're probably sitting somewhere down that's, sort of um, that two to seven year old bracket when it comes to that learning development. And that's where you can really start to drive adaptations in terms of both skill and strength development. Um, and it really is just about understanding where you're at. And then it's the ego, drop the ego. Like just because you see people doing stuff in the gym doesn't mean you need to do it as well. And then play the long game, understand like, well, what's the goal? Um, what's your training age? Like how long have you been doing it for? Where are you currently at in the skill development? And where do you need to start? And it's a really hard thing to do because, dude, like I'm going to say 99.9% out of the people there need to get a personal trainer for the first year to two years of their training because the amount of people that you get through that are just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I actually lack motivation. I had a guy say the other day, oh, I was at the gym. Yeah, I did 45 minutes on the treadmill and then an hour on abs. I'm like, what training plan did you just do? That's insane. And then, um, you know, you strip this back and then they get this thing in place. But it's really hard to say. So if someone's just listening to this, what do I go away and do? Get a fucking personal trainer who can actually write you a program and ask those key questions. Like, what is your goal? What is your vision? 
like how strong are you currently? Like what are your skill levels? What have you currently been doing? And where do you see yourself for the next 12 months? And then we're going to follow a plan. We're going to strip it right back. And then we're going to work from there. Like, for example, we see a lot of people getting caught up with like Nick Mitchell and UP. He's a transformation specialist, correct? But he was like best friends with Charles Poliquin. Like Charles Poliquin wasn't a Charles, it wasn't a transformation specialist. So it's like, you know, we need to understand that like, what I'm trying to say here is, he gets incredible results because he slams someone in a deficit and just sticks them on machines predominantly. It's just how it works. And I know this because his coaches have told me and that's fine. But if you were to really go on and speak to Nick, you'd be talking about the same principles of skill development. And, but that's a really fucking hard thing to sell someone because people instantly want to look better before they move better. But the reality is you got to move better before you can start looking better. And if you can look good in 12 weeks, how do you make that last if you're going to start getting bored of your training plan? So we need to be able to understand that if you're just starting out in the gym and you want to get better at what you're doing, go with that protocol. Just go and do 80% of machine work, 20% skill work. All right, train four days a week. Do a leg day, an upper day, a leg day, an upper day. Give yourself plenty of recovery time and just choose a bunch of exercises that are going to work for you. All right, and then um, like in terms of enjoyment, and then really just get honed in on the idea of the skill development exercise go first. And as you go through the plan, build in the autonomous stuff on the machines to just drive output, but don't do it the other way around. Don't be the guy that's like, I'm going to pre-fatigue my quads, three sets of 20 on the leg extension, and then go and do some goblet squats. You've been training six months. It's not going to work. Give yourself a break. Go and learn how to squat first and then smash the leg, leg extensions afterwards. And this is the problem you see because you just go on T-Nation or the next training program or how um, how some bodybuilder got the biggest legs possible. It's like, well, they're a bodybuilder. They've been training 15 years. They've stepped on stage. You don't need to do that. You need to do this thing that's good for you. But honestly, man, this comes back to getting a coach. Get a personal trainer. Do what? At least invest in that. Invest in that. And it's going to save you years. I think a lot of people will be able to resonate with that whole like two to seven year old thing. Like I know like from even for myself like I know from like what like 17 18 years old all the way up until probably like a few years ago I was just that's where I was floating I was just floating in that area there and um I know like so many of my clients when they come to me I'm not saying like I've got all the answers and I've mastered the kind of whole system that you've got in place now but I'm definitely applying it um as a lot of them that has been their like training career like they're not really any further forward than they were when they were 17 years old and there's always that kind of fuck around period like not everyone's going to have it figured out at 17 years old if we're being honest but um i think that like for me anyway my my goal right now is understanding this even better um so that i can i think com communicating the whole idea as well is something that you do really well because you're like you're well seasoned in it i was communicating this whole idea of skill acquisition so like you can sell it to the client because it's yeah as you say it's a hard thing to sell unless you really understand what you're talking about and you understand the actual structure that has to be in place so that that's personally that that's what i'm aiming to do right now that's what i'm trying to learn so i can pa pass that on to my clients yeah man i mean it's like taking one of my clients recently he's been on two years and uh, he's just doing so well and i was like man i wish i said to him i said i wish i had me when i started because i've just shaved five years off your training all the fucking around all the dicking about all the getting injured all the niggles all the injury it's like you just nailed it and he's like, I realize this, how fortunate I am to be able to come in and just go from day dot. But it's like understanding that like, you're just a child trying to walk. Like a child's not just gonna get up and run across the room. And people just cause they're older 
and they think, right, I'm going to get into health and fitness. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to join a CrossFit gym. It's like, holy shit, you've just like literally gone from 10 months old onto your feet and then just ran like Usain Bolt. But you ain't doing that. And you never will do that. You've got to get up. You've got to learn. You've got, you've got to sugar along a little bit. And you've just got to like kind of figure it all out. And, you know, to get to the point at that point, it's like the longevity thing. Like, I get it. We're selling 90-day packages. We're selling six-month packages, 12-month packages. But the reality is it's sustainability and long-term goals. Um, and, you know, you need to take people on that journey. And it's not about selling stuff as much as it is about being passionate about it. When you're passionate about, like, a a process or a formality or a modality or something that you love doing, you don't need to sell it because you know it so well that you, when you talk about it, people are like, fuck, passionate about that. That must work. And it's like, if I'm trying to explain something to a client, another thing is don't, don't overdo the, the whole explaining thing to your clients. Don't say things too technically. You can, but as long as you can break it down into like an understandable way, like know all the nonce, know all the crazy shit, but then be able to just simplify that whole thing so that they can go, ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I'll tell you now, the amount of times a client will buy in to an exercise is when you explain the importance of why they need to do X, Y, and Z. And if you don't know the importance of doing X, Y, and Z, then you're never going to get them to do the exercise properly and they're never going to buy into it and they're never actually going to fall in love with it. Like if your client's doing a cable Y raise or um, something to do with their scapular, if they're doing like, no one wants to do it, it's boring. But once you really dig in and say, this is why we need to do this, like a half kneeling landmine press. And all my clients hate that. It's so stressed. But it's like, well, if you understand that this is a bridging point between skill and strength and that the carryovers for the bench press and blah, 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 all this stuff with the scapula and how that works and yada, 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 then they're like, cool. And they're coming in like we do the landmine press. It's like, yeah, because now you realize it's going to help your bench. And the bench is the fun one. But it's, um, or it gets them into a position where they can eventually later on bench with, you know, good technique. And it's, it's it's not the sale. It's 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 about the education. It's about your your ability as a personal trainer and a coach to be able to simplify it enough so that they understand it to be able to then go away and apply it. You know. Yeah, it's funny that like I remember kind of finishing your last course like a couple of weeks after it and going and doing the the half kneel and landmine press with one of my clients and he's been with me a few years now and uh, I kind of I almost like just regurgitated what you'd been telling us and he was like. Oh, we've done this a few times before, though, haven't we? And I literally told you nothing. It's just, yeah, we're just doing a half new landmine press, mate. But now yeah. he's like, ah, okay, that, that, that's what it's all about. Yeah, man. And how often do you get a client come in and they're like, yeah, I was told that was a stupid exercise to do, or I saw this thing and it's, it's a crap exercise. Like, Meh. I don't know. I disagree. I feel like um, I think every exercise out there, for most parts, has a place in training, if you know exactly where it needs to go and why it may help. Um. But it's just, yeah, it's about that communication you can have with your client and get them to understand why what they're doing is so important. Yeah. Why what they're doing is so important. Like if my accountant tells me to do something that I just like don't understand, I'm probably not going to see the importance. But if he says, look, Ben, if you don't do this thing, you may have to pay an extra four grand at the end of the year. Suddenly I'm like, that seems important. Please explain more. Why should I do it this way? Um, and it's the same with training, explaining the importance of exercises explaining why they need to do certain things with their shoulder their hip their knee their ankle why they need to push down on their big toe or why they need to do this or, or why they need to get out of these belief systems of what worked for them before and you know what they think might work with them now it's like once you get them to understand that you know they love it and i've said to a lot of my clients i'm like what i just told you means that you know more than 60 percent of the pts in your local gym just saying yeah. and it's fucking true go away and know that 
So they're like, because they're like, sometimes I don't really want to do that high walking, that high knee walking lunge with rotation thing. People look at me weird. I'm like, this is why we're doing it. And you can tell them that if they ask you. Yeah. Like, okay. Cool. And then they're in there doing it. And I like to think that like my team of clients are all around Glasgow and wherever doing some weird looking shit. And everyone's like, oh, that's Ben's client. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's totally true, man. Um, here's another one for you. Um, we work together with one of my clients um who by the way is getting on better than he's fucking ever getting on before pain-free playing football running all sorts um how people view pain um injuries and things like that I'd kind of got a little bit more of an insight into this with working with you um where do where do people i don't know if you, this is even the word to say like where do people go wrong where do people get confused with this especially coming into a gym setting i think um it's something that I work with a lot, man. And uh, my my opinions really go dig deep on this kind of stuff and my understandings of it. But I think um, paralysis by analysis is a big thing. And vocabulary is really, really big. And then the third thing is they don't really know what pain is. So like sensation and actual pain, sensation and actual acute pain. Um, a stiff lower back does not mean you're in pain. Um, a stiff knee does not mean you're injured. Um, you know, people get scared. Like the amount of times I have people coming in here and they're talking about my physio said that I'm imbalanced or my, um, you know, my chiropractor says that my hips rotated or all these kind of things. And it's like, well, we're teaching people that they're, they're broken before they can even get fixed. I think a lot of the time when it comes to pain management is reassurance. Like the first thing we need to do is reassure the client that they're not broken and be very, very aware as to what the pain is. Is it acute injury or is it sensation of fatigue, uh, tendon tissue stuff around like the knee, for example? Um, and then taking like an a, a, a cumulative way of like looking at certain questions that's going to allow us to build a picture of what's going on. And I'll have, I think I've got like 15 questions. I think it is that I will go through with them. That then helps me to map out. You would have done that on the course that you did that I wrote. Um, and then it's just about confidence. It's really is about confidence and loading parameters and sort of positional stuff. Understanding that if they hurt their back during a, a squat, which is a common one, that we can still get them to move through the same positions, but we just need to load it back. And understanding that like intensity is going to play a big role within those positions. Like you want the client feeling confident. Now, if they've hurt their back and you've just got them lying on their back doing a single leg loop bridge or some kind of like a, uh, what you call it again, dead bug, like it, it's got a really small return of investment in terms of like strengthening the things that you need to strengthen. But if you can start to load that area, it's going to teach the body, well, you know, things are safe to do what it needs to do. And if you can start to have a really good understanding of anatomy and functional anatomy at best, you can then really start to dissect the body a little bit to the client and start to explain things to them about what certain things do and why things might feel certain ways. And just give them the confidence to realize like there's an actual fucking exit plan and that you can get them to where you need to be. And again, that's why sort of like skill acquisition training and why sort of being able to strip back regressions and then adding progressions within certain um, movement patterns is going to be a really beneficial way to start helping them understand that there's an exit to their problem essentially. But like I said, man, honestly, it's a lack of understanding from the client of what pain actually is, where it comes from and how it's associated to the brain and the body. 
And then it comes down to vocabulary from where they've been and other people they've spoken to. And, and a lot of the people in the industry now that use these scary words to make them feel like they're broken because, hey, it's a good buy-in to get them back in to get more chiropractor work done. And, and then it's the understanding process by analysis because they're probably at home searching every Google engine possible, trying to find a reason as to why they have um, hip pain or hamstring pain or bicep pain or X, Y, and Z. And the functional anatomy side of all of this comes in so handy because once you understand the function of a muscle and how that ties into the whole kinetic chain, you can then start to look at ways to use exercise to then be able to appropriately sort of assess and address these situations, you know? Yeah, I, I have noticed in my own hometown, it's just a kind of a disconnect between like physios, chiropractors and how to apply rehab within a gym set. And it usually kind of just comes in the the way of like a PDF with like bounce on one leg here, like do this other thing over here. Um, and I've, I feel there's not really that kind of, there's not really much knowledge there, but um, that's why I like kind of almost creating a connection with the physio so we can actually get that information and try and then help them in that way. Um, we've actually got a really good one that I've started working with lately whose who's knowledge on training is actually like mega and that makes a massive difference. Um, but you do, yeah. you, you obviously see it loads, like clients will come to you and they've been told, I can't go to the gym for six weeks because I've got this thing going on with my with my shoulder, whereby like, there, as you say, there is an exit plan, there is a solution for this, if you understand the anatomy, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Um, like the amount of times, like you should probably, as a personal trainer, have a physiotherapist on side that you can work with. I know I do, said Danny Ray from PhysioEffect, he's incredible. And then you can kind of liaise and you've got a really good backup plan. If you just, because we're PTs at the end of the day as well. We've got to remember that we don't have any sort of qualification to be diagnosing people or like telling people what's wrong with them. But when you get like a massage therapist, for example, just get someone to stand there in front of them, then they diagnose them with all these issues. It's like, you're a massage therapist. You should probably just massage that person, not scaring the fuck out of them. Like stay in your lane and stop trying to be the clever person that's going to tell them that they have these imbalances or they have these dysfunctions um, which I do believe a dysfunction does exist, but imbalances and stuff like that, and like a tight muscle here and a loose muscle there, and something's not firing up here. It's just like, come on, guys, like we're using vocabulary that's so outdated that you don't even understand what it means. And it's like, you got to remember as well, like the body acts differently under load. Yeah. So, like, I always have a sore lower back on my left hand side. It's a stiffness because A, I'm 43 and B, I overtrain probably. But it's like, when I go and lift weights, there's no issue. I don't break and I don't die and I don't wake up all night crying and fucking being in pain. So it's like, I just understand that that's just a physicality and something that I probably need to, you know, just address in terms of like recovery when it comes to massage therapy, hot bass, Epsom salts, whatever it may be, just give it a bit of relaxation, good water intake, sleep, rest, recovery, high, all this stuff we're trying to teach our clients. But when a normal person feels that pain, they're like, I am broken. I am fucked. Like, I have a broken back. What am I going to do? I can't do anything. Then you see a fucking massage therapist or someone, they're like, well, yeah, you've got a sore lower back because, you know, you've got a tight right psoas or, you know, your right adductor's not working properly. It's like, you don't know this till you assess them under load. The body moves differently under load. You can only map out a dysfunction if load is there or you're creating a, um, a blueprint of like a stability-based exercise, i.e. a hip airplane. Dysfunction exists dysfunction is like you going into a garage with your car and saying i've got this brand new motor it's class doesn't seem to be running right now like let's just check some stuff out ah, we need to just add some oil in this bit here and it should run fine that was a dysfunction created functional function within the body functional 
is how things interact together to create a global output of what needs to be done. Like an imbalance just means something's like off or out of whack, but it's like we're all imbalanced. We're all skew if, and we're meant to be because we all work through the freaking transverse plane anyway. And, you know, we all have like, I've got 43 years of life behind me and broken ribs and broken bones and shattered knees and all this. I'm going to be imbalanced, but it doesn't mean we can't move well and do things. But like therapists and massage therapists and whoever they are, and all these, they use these words without clear understanding of assessment. And most of these people that don't understand what they're doing, they do not train. And if they do train, they don't train heavy or well enough to understand it within their own sort of um, functionality and with their own, their own scope of their own strength, you know? And uh, if they did that, they'd probably get better answers to their own jobs, you know, essentially. Yeah, I think as well, like what we'd spoken about previously, it's like literally tearing it right back to the, to the basics as well. Like, are you actually drinking enough water? Are you actually like sat down at your desk all day long? Like, are you actually walking? I know we had that conversation with one of my clients and he was like, oh, miraculously, everything was like, okay, it feels so much better. And I think people kind of like want to go straight, right? I need massage, I need physio, I need this chiropractor to crack me up, but literally cover those bases first before you go there. Yeah, man, I think if you're going to go see massage therapists, remedial therapists, and it's for the state of just like relaxation and just getting some work done, brilliant. But you're not getting realigned. You're not cranking out some imbalances through 30 minutes with your chiropractor. You're literally just going in so that you can get moved about a little bit and get some answers. But a good chiropractor, and hey, you know, Jordan Schaller, um, prescript director, um, you know, is a chiropractor, but he also is fucking jacked and he lifts some serious weight. So he has a much better understanding of why he's one of the best in the world. But it's like, you know, being able to move well um, does not mean that you need to be perfectly in sync. And I think once clients get past this idea that they're broken and that they're never going to be able to make progress, it's absolutely fine. Um, and again, man, it just all comes back to vocabulary, how you speak to people, reassurance, um, and then understanding your own program design to give them ways to feel like they're making progress. Uh, which often quite often means backing off of the things that hurt and adding in the things that don't hurt and finding new positions of the things that they want to do where they can get some kind of um, response of strength or skill or um, a result in terms of what they're trying to develop and hey ho they start to feel better because they're not thinking about the pain all the time and that will start to reduce and you know 90 percent of pain just go to your bed go and get a good night's sleep you look at most of your clients and they're up till like midnight watching Netflix and then they're up at 6 a.m. They're taking their kids to school. They're living on coffee, blah, blah. Like there's so many other, maybe say holistic routes of pain management before we even need to do an assessment on the gym floor. Just ask them about their lives. What are you doing, right? Stop doing that and do this. A week later, how are you feeling? Incredible. Absolutely great. Let's go and lift some weight and stop bitching about, you know what I mean? Yeah, man, that's uh, it's the basics that matter. Um, yeah, I want to ask you about the oxygen I actually don't know what, what is that? What, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, oxygen. So I work with a, guy, a couple of guys called Reese and Graham. Uh, that's their business, by the way, not mine. Um, I just love what they do and I help facilitate. So I have like four events a year now in Glasgow that I facilitate and that I put together for the guys. It's holotropic breath work or transformational breath work. So the day um, you'll go in, you'll do a cacao ceremony. You'll have the option to do some rapé, which is like a medicinal tobacco that you get blown up your nose. Um, and that helps to do all this funky stuff within the, the cavities of the, the skull and just allows you to get into a meditative state. You do some then heart coherence meditation, and then you go into a really big 60 minute deep dive 
breathwork session, which is where you get some wild, wild results. A lot of um, trauma release, may we say, a lot of like uh, people going into meditative states, a lot of people in and out of body experiences, crying, shouting, laughing, shaking. Some people just stay completely still the whole time and tell you that they just had these amazing visions. Um, and it sounds crazy, but, you know, having done it myself five or six times and um, having facilitated this a number of times now as well, like it's insane. It's absolutely amazing. And we finish the day off with some ice cold water and we get into some ice baths, man. And uh, yeah, they're the great team. So Reese and Grant are incredibly skilled at what they do. They've got a really cool vibe. Done with 9D headsets, man. So you get like these headsets go on and they build their own soundscapes, which is like music in this journey. And you can hear Reese talking you through the breath work. Um, and it's like a real, it's a very spiritual journey, man, and which I love. And um, yeah, we've got some more events coming up this year, man. But I'd advise anyone that's looking to, anyone that's maybe done some ice like a cold water therapy likes a bit of Wim Hof trying to do a little bit of meditation should jump on down and give this a shot, man. Cause it will absolutely blow your head off and out the park. And it will give you a really cool experience that you can uh, learn a lot from in many ways as well, man. And um, I did a similar one this year up at a retreat. Can't say where, where we introduced, um, well, we introduced, we did psilocybin. So it was like rapé, satanga, cambo, and then psilocybin on a whole day and night. And uh, that was pretty wild, man. That was a wild, a wild ride. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued about the the whole oxygen event. Like I try and catch some of those dates. I actually want to come down and try that. I've dipped my yep. toe into meditation lately with, um, I don't know if you know the guy, Cammy. He's I think he lives in Glasgow, the Australian guy. Do you know him? Cam, yes, Cam. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did mindsets with Cam. Yeah, he's got a Cam Cooney meditation. That's one. Yeah, yeah. He, he my... spoke at my spoke at my event. Um, so yeah, dip my toe in. I might try that again. Um, what's uh, what's going on this year? Anything else planned? I know obviously the the wee one will be a massive factor this year, but you know, like so like last year, like obviously my partner and I broke up, and I have a new partner now, which is all fine and dandy. But it was a very um big year last year in terms of like self development. Twenty twenty two was a big business year. Like I really went all in on business, education, mentorships, workshops, and a big event actually with Cam Cooney and Danny from Two Birds called Mindsets in Glasgow. And I got to the end of the year, man, and uh, I just felt dead in the water. I felt like oh, I've maybe done like five years of work here in 12 months. And uh, I didn't really have a, a vision, a purpose, a goal. I was very depressed. Obviously, as anyone that knows me, uh, I have clinical depression and I deal a lot with clients who suffer depression. And I'm very open, very outspoken about depression and how that works. And like, that's why we run a holistic company, not just on top of like lifting heavy weights and doing stuff like that. But um, I got to the end of the year and I felt very lost, man, you know, really fucking lost. And I spent the majority of 2023 um, exploring a lot of what I needed, a lot of, uh, you know, the medicinal stuff and um, a lot of the meditation stuff, a lot of like networking with different people from different realms of life. And I stepped away from the business and I thought, you know, if I can just go on my own journey and sustain the business as it is, then I'm going to do that. And I need to find out who I am. And, uh, yeah, you know, we I ended up going through a breakup, but I also ended up you know, sustaining that relationship to what it is, which is amazing. And I helped to deliver my own child at home during a free birth, which was insane. Not a home birth, but a free birth. There's no midwives on site. Um, and, you know, having 
being on all these journeys last year, gone through a breakup, falling deeply in love with the partner that I'm with, being super happy with myself, actually getting to the end of last year in the best physical peak health that I've ever been in, looking after and sustaining a business and going through a breakup, delivering my own child with her, all of the other shit. I was like, cool, maybe it's time to start working on a business again. So like 2024 is going to be a big business shift year now with the same intentions of what I do, but it's really going to be about bringing more people into the business, the community, going more online and transitioning some of these things, pivoting some of these things, building out some new systems, working with oxygen, being an incredible dad, getting more jacked and more healthy. And I've got some goals in mind for like my own fitness stuff, doing a lot of polarized training now, which has been really exciting. And then, yeah, just working on my relationships, man, and just being a good dad and just doing stuff like this and just enjoying life. 43, like, you just stop giving a fuck about a lot of stuff, man. You're like, one day at a time, one task at a time, and let's just try and enjoy the ride because, you know, you're halfway through your life and you're like, you know, you can worry about a lot of shit that doesn't matter. And if we can just help the people we need to help, then, uh, you know, the fulfillment will happen, you know. Yeah, it's incredible. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. I massively appreciate it. Um, is there anywhere where people can like find you, like podcast, Instagram page, Facebook page, whatever? Yeah, so my Instagram is Ben Four Pillars. I also have the Four Pillars podcast. Not as many episodes as you. I think it's seventy three episodes on there. Um, need to get you on, man. And then, uh, yeah, Facebook. I don't often use, but if you just type my name in with Four Pillars, it's gonna come up. Four Pillars is a pretty good brand. Like it comes up straight away. There's no one else doing it globally, and um, so that comes up pretty quick. Um, and that's it, really. Or you can just find me somewhere in a forest on mushrooms, lifting weights, and just spending time with people I care about. Give <laughs> me the address. <laughs> I mean, come find me. Or come to the oxygen events as well. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's an open book for, we do 20 people at a time. So once we get 20 people signed up and there's a big, there's a big list of people, about 200 people on the list now, which is absolutely awesome. Man. Class. Amazing, mate. Well, mate, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Um, appreciate yeah. me, mate. Yeah, I appreciate you as well, man. And all the best for what you're doing. And if you're one of Ryan's coaches, uh, coaches clients and um, awesome like stay on stay on because he's a smart dude and he's got a fucking bright future in the future and he's been there uh, coached and mentored by some of the best which is absolutely class so yeah thank you thank you mate